Nehemiah chapter 6. It's good. Okay, here we are. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein though at that time I had not yet set up the doors upon the gates that Sambalah and Geshem sent unto me saying now these men are not friends of Nehemiah they are the opponents and they said to Nehemiah come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono that's your first indication you shouldn't be there man I don't know if you if you can't get that you don't even have to be spiritual don't go to Ono But they thought to do me mischief. It wasn't a pleasant meeting. Verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them. Notice there is no face-to-face confrontation. I sent them this word. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. (laughs) Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Will I leave it? Yet they sent it to me four times after this sword. And I answered them after the same manner. Same thing. Verse 8. Skip to verse 8. Then I sent unto him saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest. All the things you're accusing me of. You've created them. You've fainted them out of your own heart. You made them up. Verse 9. Here is Nehemiah's real struggle given to us he didn't have to write it for they all made us afraid saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done now therefore O God strengthen my hands I preach today I cannot come down I cannot come down Now, Father, we need your help for a moment. Grant us anointing that we cannot give to ourselves. The inside of the word, Lord, the truth that will be delivered here today comes from you and not from me. You are the great God. All good things come from you. I'm simply a vehicle, an oracle of the word that's already been established. And I thank you for ministering to all the people that are here and that are watching, that will watch this, I pray. Do something in their hearts in the name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for it. And before you're seated, I want you to open up your life right now to God. I want you to make a declaration. I want you to get real with the Lord. I I may be a little weak, but strength in my hands. I cannot come down. Come on, do it with me now. Hallelujah, Savior. Hallelujah, Savior. Hallelujah, Savior. And if you're standing here, put your Bibles behind you and clap unto the Lord. If you're at home, clap unto the Lord. Give God praise out of your mouth. 
Thank you, and you may be seated. My task today is not just to arrest your attention away from the things that obviously consume our world, but I am also commissioned to set in order the spirit of the body. Hmm. How do you set in order the spirit of the body? I won't labor here long, but in nutritional terms, what we eat, what is taken in, food, the ingested thing, it determines the health of the body, the blood sugar, the nutrients, enzymes. Medical science tells us that what we eat can have a major impact on our energy or state of mind or even disposition. Paul wrote in his self-titled letter, Feed the flock which is among you. So I do not stand here to merely divert your attention away from the chaos that has consumed our world, but rather I am commissioned to set in order the spirit of the body. It's a, it is a biblical directive. The food that we take often determines our disposition. Now to be clear, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about our spirit. The Holy Spirit is without measure. Even Jesus said in John 3, no one can manipulate it. No one knows where it comes from or whither it goeth. The Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is the active moving force of God. It is the Spirit of the Lord without flesh and without blood, without limitations and boundaries. It is the Spirit of God and He never changes. He is. Can you think of this? Wrap your mind around it. He is the immutable God. He is the permanent, established, unchanging, carved in stone, steadfast, forever God. People change. Governments change. Seasons change. But James said that in him there is no, and I quote, no variableness, nor neither shadow of turning. And I wish I had time to talk about him. Tell me, we used to sing it. What do you think about Jesus? <laughs> yes. The problem is not with him. It's never been a lack of Jesus that causes conflict. It's never been not enough Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit that causes us trouble. I don't even know exactly what that means. If you ever hear someone say that a person just doesn't have enough Holy Ghost, push that comment aside. The fact is this. There is no measurement of the Holy Spirit. He is not measured in our terms. One drop... Of him is as much as the sum of all the oceans and seas combined. So just to be clear, we do not determine him. We don't determine his coming or going. We do not assign him or dictate him. Pause now. But we do determine ourselves. Look at the scripture. It's worth the telling. The historical account of Israel has led them into another captivity. They're Cyclical rebellion, defeat, and then subsequent repentance has run out. God is orchestrating a reconstruction of the city of Jerusalem. He's doing it through the provisions of, of all people, the captor. Israel is now being held captive by an accommodating king, Persia. 
Persia hosted the Jews in what could only be seen as agreeable terms. And while it might have looked like bondage, it was far from the constraints of Egypt. I'm just catching you up in this biblical narrative. Look at the scene. Block out all the other thoughts in your mind. Nehemiah is in the royal court. He's standing there. He is a well-respected attendant in the king's palace. God choreographs this Persian king's edicts like a well-rehearsed musical. Everything's in order. King Artaxerxes of Persia hears how the walls of Jerusalem has been, have been torn down, broken down. It bothers him for some reason. He develops a compassionate note for the Jewish homeland. And as an answer prayer, the prayers of Nehemiah, this Persian king sends Nehemiah with supplies to rebuild the walls around the city. No one could imagine such a thing. God is doing it from his omniscient mind, no doubt. It looks so well designed. Everything has been done with blessings from both God and from the heathen king. God is in it. God has set it in order. And the means and the men to rebuild what has been torn down are with Nehemiah. And I'll say it again just for emphasis. It was the Lord who set up Nehemiah. He is not alone. There are priests and prophets, builders and workers. The king of Persia will supply the means. He sends Nehemiah back to Jerusalem with all the tools and supplies that they will need. All of it being accomplished with the approval and permission of his superiors. Can you see it? Nehemiah's efforts to reestablish Judah's national city of Jerusalem was sanctioned by the holy God and an unholy king. Because that is how God works. He can change the heart of the heathen just to accomplish his work if God so chooses. Don't ever think the heart of the heathen is too hard for God. God can do anything that he wants to do. It's all in order. Nehemiah will find himself putting the walls of Jerusalem back into their respective places. Large stones being hoisted back into their place. Back where they were before. One on top of the other. The fallen rubble now cleared away. The alignment of it all was in order. The Bible says that he is almost completed. He's almost done all but for the gates and the doors. He is nearing the end of his labor which was intensive and exhaustive. In fact... The scripture tells us that Nehemiah and his men took but 52 days to complete their mission. 52 days. Which clearly speaks to round-the-clock effort, work without sleep, purposeful actions, and more. They worked, they labored long hours and with intensity. But the, near, but the end is now near. And when it's almost over, we are told that Nehemiah has finally had enough of the interference from the troublemakers. The troublemakers have been there, but finally Nehemiah is through with their actions. He's going to send a word. And here it is. Some people, of course, will hear this today. They're going to have a tough time receiving what I'm about to say. So listen carefully. Regardless of a God initiative... Regardless of the affirmation by other people, your attitude and your spirit is not for certain. Because you determine that. Not God and not others. No amount of godly confirmation can stop the attack of the enemy. And no amount of Holy Spirit can determine your spirit. Oh... God can only work with you and through you to the extent that you keep your heart and keep your spirit centered on him. 
And strange as it may sound, the moment you start doing something for the kingdom or make a step in the right direction toward commitment, the enemy is going to rise up to discourage you. I'll even go as far as to say this. Your spirit is not determined when things are going well. You'll become settled when you have to fight to be right in your own spirit. The enemy of your eternal soul seems to leave you alone. I don't know why, but he leaves. He seems to leave you alone when you're already bound. But make a commitment or a vow or make strides to change your life and do a work for the Lord. And there will be opposition. Nehemiah, who keeps hearing these words over and over four times now, once is enough, twice, three, four, fifth time now. And reports of the accusers are coming, and they come, ladies and gentlemen, in pairs and in groups. Herein lies another truth I have found. Accusers love company. They need affirmation and support. The accuser of the brethren, which God called an abomination, no less, always seeks for allies. They never stay silent, or, and they never stay alone. And thus Sambalon, Tobiah, he has Tobiah with him. Come on, Tobiah, help me. And Tobiah has Geshem, the Arabian. And Geshem has, did you read it? The rest of our enemies. Mm-hmm. The work must be done. The walls must be built. The temple has had its time, but the walls are broken and they are displaced. Stones are laying inside and outside the perimeter. The gates have been dislodged and set aside. Doors which once kept the enemy and from coming and going, the exits and the, and the gaping holes, the breaches throughout, all of it speak of an unprotected temple. Gates that held the protection for the people have been torn down. Sacrifices which were meant to be holy were subject to whoever came in through those open areas. Can you hear this? Temples without boundaries. A temple without a boundary is always subject to false ideas and vanity. Look at the city. The temple is there, but worship and consecration and devotion, all those things which we deem sacred and holy are only as good as the lines of demarcation that we set up, not God. God institutes it in his word, but we've got to set up. God builds the temple. We build the walls. Oh, my. His spirit determines our freedom, but our spirit determines our priorities. I so wish you could imprint that on your heart and never forget it. Don't ever forget that. Nehemiah is being taunted. Sambalah and his motley crew of haters and fakers and all around troublemakers want to meet him. They want to talk. But Nehemiah is up on the walls. Think about it. It was and will always be the location of your life that reveals your intent. Up or down, you decide. If you climb down, it may be the end of the work that God wants to do in you and through you. Watch now. You decide. Not the Lord. He cannot decide for you. He wants you to be saved. He said, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. God does not make your choice for you. And it won't be people that dissuade you. Regardless of who they are or what they say, if you stay up, it's because you decided to stay up. If you come down, it's a poor excuse to blame somebody else. Nobody makes you backslide. No. The decision is not even this church or your church or whatever church. The congregation... They may or may not help you. Peer pressure usually wears thin. Guilt runs out. 
If you notice that about guilt, it runs out. If you only serve God because of what people think about you, eventually you'll stop caring what people think about you and you'll stop serving. I'm motivated by guilt sometimes. I, I feel like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should respond or, or it's, it's, I feel guilty. Well, maybe I should show up or maybe I should do it. I feel a little guilty, but if you get past the guilt, you feel fine. <laughs> That's a bad thing. If you're only serving God because you feel guilty, if you don't have a love in your heart for it, eventually that will run out and you'll stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. It won't be your friends or your family. You may be influenced by, by them ultimately, but you decide. They can encourage you to stay strong or they can discourage you to give up your commitment. But either way, you decide up or down. And finally, let me just say this. Saved or lost, moving ahead or lagging behind, up or down, in or out. It won't be because of circumstances. It won't be because of circumstances or situations or what life brings to you. I'm going to get back to that. <laughs> How are we doing today? Mm, I feel a little tension in the air. I'm coming pretty strong here today. You better get down and peel back all the facades. I'm coming really strong now. Because the church has no time to be weak. We've got to get strong in the Lord. Hey, if you're going to serve God in this time, you've got to decide, I'm going to serve God with anybody, with somebody, but I'm going to serve God. I'm not coming down. Uh-huh. Nehemiah had a choice, you see. Sambalah wanted him to come down and talk. Let's talk. Sambalah and his crew, they were courting an interview with Nehemiah. They didn't need swords and knives to kill the work. They just needed some time to talk. They didn't want his work to be completed. In fact, before it ever began, way back while they were still all sitting in the comforts of Persia, Sambalah was distraught that his own king would grant permission and supplies to Nehemiah. It was a private hate. And from that root of bitterness came an all-out effort to stop the work of God. Those men who desired to thwart the effort of God's appointed and anointed men had a deep resentment against Jerusalem. They were fine with Nehemiah being the cupbearer for the king. They were content as long as the Jews were held in their place in Persia. But when the king's letters went forth, read in your Bible, the king's cavalry ushered Nehemiah toward Jerusalem and then trouble began. I'll read it to you. When Sambalah the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. Do anything, but don't seek the welfare of the people of God. You see, the enemy of our soul did not begin this battle when we became committed and started making strides. He was way ahead of you and me. He hated you long before you came into play. He's been after you since the blood of the lamb was spilled at the foot of Golgotha's hill. He was on the hunt the moment that borrowed tomb became his insufficient means of closure. Even still, the enemy of us all was fine with us as long as we were silent and uncommitted and unconsecrated and wallowing in the trivial and inconsequential things of this world. The world even was content with us when we were tied up with all those things and temporary endeavors. Our secular world with all of its debauchery and perverseness is fine with the people of God as long as we are not heading toward Jerusalem, the church of which Paul said is the mother of us all. Can you see it? Can you hear it today? Stand up for truth and you will be refuted and you will be shouted down and you will be mocked and criticized. I hear it. 
I hear it. It's an underlying message propagated to those who get low enough to hear it. Don't get down there. That, that sound is all the same. It sounds rational. Why don't you find a career? Come on, go to work nine to five or whatever shift might be. Do, do good for your family. Do right for your family. I can hear it now down there. Make a living. Do your community service, if you will. Join the March for Dimes or Cancer Research or some goodwill community effort or program. All of which, ladies and gentlemen, are noble. But, but the sound down there is, but do not do the work of the kingdom. Do not start a prayer meeting in your home. Have a party. Have a cookout. But whatever you do, don't ever have a prayer meeting in your home. Down there, I hear things like this. Make friends with people. Go places. See sites. But don't teach a Bible study or share the gospel. Reserve that for the church. Do whatever you wish as long as you stay away from spiritual disciplines that protect the holy things of God. Don't set up gates or walls because the moment you do that, you're incriminating everyone else. I can hear the enemy of your soul saying, come down, let's talk. Why all the boundaries and efforts of holiness and lifestyle choices? Why would you do that? (laughs) Why are you living separate from the world? Come down. Let's negotiate a little. How about a compromise of sorts? I hope you can hear this today. The Sambala and crew were baffled by Nehemiah's reluctance. They could not defeat him while he was up there. They needed him to get down to their level. Kingdom work is always higher than secular ambitions. If it was all about getting a job and having a career and make a little money in a 401k, then we ought to shut this thing down. We ought to be minimal. We ought never to pray and seek God. I want to tell you, one of these days, everything you're working for will either be burned up or given to someone else. Even Jesus said, and whose shall those things be? I'm not working down for something down here. I'm working for something up there. I cannot come down. I will not come down. If you got a job, it should be to feed your family and to support the ministry and the gospel. Uh huh. Nehemiah was in his location, ladies and gentlemen, by choice. And I, I submit to you today that his location in the kingdom made all the difference in determining his spirit. His absence from them was probably his salvation. With God. They knew. They knew. They know. Talk is enough to stop the work. They know. Social media is enough to thwart kingdom. But Nehemiah said, I sent messengers into them saying, I'm doing a great work. I'm going to just tell you about what I'm doing. It's a great work. Come on, you ought to say that. I'm doing a great work. You ought to say that to yourself. If you're involved in the kingdom work, you ought to say this is a great work. Whatever secular field you're in to make enough money to pay the bills, that's a good work. and It's an okay work, but this is a great work. Come on, let's get the priorities right. This is a great work. 
The kingdom is the great work. Everything else is minimal. Oh, man. See, if you don't get that, what you're going to think is, I have my church life and my home life. I got a little God and I got a little secularism. I got a little worship time. I got a little prayer time. That's not how it ought to be. Nehemiah said, I can't come down. And if I can't come down, I leave the work. Watch the succession. It's simple. It's not complex. It's not a maze. Not then and not now. Their talk would be enough to stop the progress. And Nehemiah knew it. Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27 That whether I come and see you or be absent, I'm going to hear that you're doing good. That you're steadfast in one spirit. How do you get your spirit right? That's not the Holy Spirit. One spirit is the body of Jesus Christ. Your conversation lends itself to the right spirit with one mind striving for the faith of the gospel. What we talk about determines our spirit. Here's Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Whew, that's a big thing. People walking around saying, well, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. I got to get, Am- get back to Amazon. I can't wait till the stores open up. I got to get this. You know what? I can't be left behind. Let me tell you. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. Let your conversation be without covetousness and just be content. Here's 1 Peter 2, 12. How long do you have today? I got scriptures. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, which is what they do. Sinners sin. Why are you surprised? Poor mouthers, poor mouth. (laughs) Devils are devils. That's what they are. It's what they do. But whatever they speak, because of your good works, your honest conversation, they just have to hold fast, which they shall behold. They're going to glorify God in the day of visitation. See, a great work does not have to be destroyed for it to be dismantled. He cannot destroy it, but he can pause it. He can dismantle things. Your walk with God does not have to be ruined for it to be hindered. And hindered is sometimes enough. The obstruction is enough. And it may be all the enemy is looking for. Because he cannot kill you. But he can steal your time, your thoughts, and your passion. You make the choice. You set your spirit. You decide. You have the Holy Ghost. But you have to decide your own spirit. Not trouble. Trouble's going to come. Trouble is going to come. That's what Jesus said. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. Paul wrote it this way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? This is an implied fact that's coming. Distress. Come on. Have I had, is anybody in here familiar with distress? persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Jesus and Paul did not tell us that we would not grieve. There will be pain and there will be loss and there will be suffering. We will have to endure trials and trouble. You cannot always choose your hardship, but you can choose your spirit. 
I'm going to tell you today, this is the day to get up and stay up and rise up and say, I'm not going down. I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down to that level. I'm not going to be involved in that conversation because that conversation is going to hurt my spirit. Let me tell you what your conversation is going to do. It's going to determine the boundary lines of your God endeavor. Oh. Joshua will say as much. He's led the children of Israel across the Jordan River. He's standing there in the land of promise. They have it all. Joshua quotes the Lord. The Lord said in Joshua 24, 13, this is what the Lord said. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And then Joshua adds this. Now fear the Lord. Serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers and those gods that they worship beyond the river and beyond Egypt. Serve the Lord. And then Joshua makes his own declaration. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for every leader who thought that exampling was enough to secure the hearts of the people. We used to think that it all hung on the leader. Countless books showcased the powerful leader. But years have taught me this. While leadership is vital and a good example is without question, it is a demand. Ultimately, everybody makes up their own mind. Everybody makes up their own mind. Every preacher's kid, they have to make up their own mind. Pastor's children, missionary children, they are not inherently spiritual because their parents made a commitment or were called by God. Everybody makes up their own mind. Jesus was the perfect example. And most of the people who followed him, they failed. He was without sin. And the greatest majority rejected his teaching. The Pharisees picked him apart. They picked apart the man without sin. What makes you think that the devil will do to you? You are not impervious. I rise to say that if you are up or down, it's all by your choice. If you're going to be on fire for God and do a work for the Lord and to be saved, I believe you're going to have to stay up and stop getting down in that conversation and all that junk that mires you and pulls you down. The work is at hand. I wish somebody believed that today. I'm going to provoke you to a good work today. And you ought to shout out with your mouth, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to stay committed. I'm not coming. Yes. You ought to be building a wall around your holy things and your commitment and your God appointment. I believe that our area... In our world, every city, but especially this city, it needs a force. It needs a spiritual force. And if this church is going to remain committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to stay away from conversations and lifestyles and things, whatever those may be, that bring us down. Here's what Joshua said in his declaration. After he commissioned, what, after he told them what God said, and after he told them what they should do, then he just came back to himself. Here's what God said. Here's what you should do. But let me just tell you about me. If it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day what you're going to do. The choice is yours. Whether the gods of your father, they were serving on the other side of the flood. And the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're dwelling now. But as for me and my house, I've got to make a choice today. I'm not coming down. We will serve the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Did you know that faith comes by hearing? Did you know that? Did you know the Bible says faith comes by hearing? 
You know what else, what else comes by hearing? Fear. Fear also comes by hearing. Uh-huh. I'll end here. Even though this Bible is filled with this message page after page, the will of men, the will of women, the plan of God, the work of the kingdom, resting so many times on the position of the people. I'm very concerned that America is slipping by, the time is waning while we relax. We get mired up in all the junk of the world. And our window of opportunity to spread the gospel is just closing. Many parts of the world are exploding with the new birth experience. Thousands and hundreds of thousands are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. They are being baptized in the name of Jesus all around the world. Mostly third world countries. Because they have no options. They are being healed because they have no options. They're seeing the works of the Spirit because they have no options. We have doctors and counselors and lawyers and conveniences and shopping carts. And you can just sit on the couch and push a couple buttons and they'll deliver you a Big Mac and fries. And you don't have to worry about the Big Mac and fries spoiling Because this has enough preservatives in it. (laughs) That if they lost their way and got you you next month, it'll taste the same. (laughs) Uh We got options, man. We got conveniences. What happens when your conveniences runs out? What happens when the world starts closing in? Oh, well. Prayers of a dying man are different than the prayers of a healthy man. You're going to listen to all that fear? I'll tell you where it's going to come from. It's going to come from beneath and going to come from down. Some place where the work of God is hindered. And I'll end right here. Elijah is on the mountain. He's just called fire down from heaven. It's mind-bending. He's standing on Mount Carmel when the Lord confirms the word. Elijah will destroy 850 false prophets, some of Baal, some of the grove with Jezebel. Then he sends his servant to speak. He goes up to the peak of the mountain. Tell me what you see. After seven tries, the servant comes down and says, I, I see the cloud, a little cloud. Elijah hears the sound of abundance of rain. Watch it now. He tells the king Ahab, we got to get off this mountain. There's a flash flood coming. He will outrun the chariot of Ahab to Jezreel, which is about nine miles. God helped him outrun the chariot. Supernatural strength. First Kings 18, verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. But no sooner had he left the mountain, someone sent a word to him from Jezebel. Here's the word from Jezebel. I'm going to kill you in 24 hours. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets. And this mighty man of God who just saw fire fall from heaven and heard thunderstorms out of nothing. This mighty prophet, 
He bent too low and took in the very word that thwarted his entire ministry. He found himself in short order in a cave. And according to scripture, Elijah never performed another miracle. But he passed the mantle to Elisha. How about we begin right now today? Find some work that's part of the kingdom work. And say, we're doing a great work. We cannot come down. I don't have time for that nonsense. You're going to talk yourself into depression. You're going to let someone else talk you into fear. I say right now, you stay up there and don't come down. If you got to send a word, just say it's nonsense. Everything's made up. I got to do a work for the kingdom of God. You build the wall around your life. And when they say it's unneeded, you say I'm protecting something that's holy and righteous and pure. Don't let anyone discourage you from living for God. somebody saying I'm not coming down I'm not coming down I am not coming down come on everybody with sickness in this house just say it I'm not coming down everybody with hurts and pains just say it I cannot choose my conflict but I'm not going to lose my spirit <laughs> Oh, God, right now, I pray for the people. I pray, Lord. (sighs) Set an order, Lord. Help us to set an order, Lord, the spirit of the body. In Jesus' name, help us to set an order, the spirit of the body. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, make a determination right now. I feel like there's some things need to be cut out of your life. I think you need to start doing some things differently right now. Just like if you're physically sick, change your diet. I think if your spirit is a little wounded and you're you're spiritually ill, you ought to change what you're hearing. Yes, yes, yes.